Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that grace, that powerful, amazing grace, your undeserved love. Speak that grace to you not to us now, and give us ears and hearts open to the mending of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. We live in a time of great division. It's not just that people have different opinions. That's always been the case. But we live in a time when it seems that people can't express those opinions or hear different opinions without being angry. Without walking out, pulling away, without anger. It's like we've forgotten how to disagree without being disagreeable. How to have different opinions and respect those opinions and be able to live together in families, in churches, in our nation, in our culture, in our world. You name it, this division is touching every aspect of our life. And it's vehement, and it's harsh, and it's full of hate. You know the flashpoints, Republican versus Democrat, mask or no mask, vaccinated or unvaccinated, old versus young, left versus right, one race against each other. I've heard of friends who no longer will have anything to do with each other because of their differences over these things. Of families, I've heard from you, of of families that are touched by and torn apart by differences over some of these things. I don't know about you. It makes me sad. And that's why I was very excited to see that the the epistle readings, the, the letters that are part of our text, that they were, that are chosen, I didn't choose them, that are chosen for the next several weeks, all come from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Because Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus to talk about what it means to be church. To talk about how do we do life together. In the family of God. Because, folks, the truth is, even you take away all the stuff that's been happening in our world and our culture in the last few years, all the stuff that divides us right now, in any time, doing life together in a sinful world is never easy. Name a relationship that you've had over any length of time that's significant where there hasn't been conflict at some point or another. Because I hate to tell you, both of you in the relationship and both of us in any relationship I've had are sinners. Shoot, you remember when you're, Stephen, on your, your honeymoon in a relationship was just starting out, even with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you ended up with conflict somewhere along the way. You work in your workplace, and it can be the best workplace in the world, and there's going to be conflict. It can be the most wonderful church in the world, and at some point or another, people aren't going to get along. 
Think about that. Do you ever think about the fact that how many different people are here in this place? And folks, there are people who think differently than you here. And sometimes, I don't know about you, you get on a team with some of those people and you think, what's wrong with them? Why can't they see it my way? Right? Or you get on a team and you get with somebody or committee with somebody and they're doing something that you used to do and they do it differently. The nerve. When we were in, when I was in Meadow Grove, not Meadow Grove, in, in Flower Mound, there was conflict going on over at the ELCA church. Bad conflict. And we were having all sorts of people come to visit us. And their interim pastor took past my, my associate and I out to lunch one day and he said, could you do us a favor? And I said, what? When people come to you from faith, could you say, and they want to join Lamb of God, could you say no? Could you tell them, first you've got to go back and work out your conflict. Once you do that, you're free to join. He says, if, would you do that for us? We did it. And I remember one couple got so mad. At, the associate had to do it. He was the guy that dealt with new members. <laughs> one, one couple got so mad. But they went back and they did it. And then they came and joined Lamb of God. And you know what they said to me? It was the best thing we'd ever done. We left friends with those people. I remember one... This is from our Texarkana days. One uh, lady, she wasn't a member of our church, she was going up to the Baptist church and they were having a big brouhaha about something. And so she was fleeing that, contact, con that, that, that conflict to go to another church. And her mama said to her, her mom was the Lutheran, a good Lutheran lady. And the mom said to her, honey, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why not? Because if you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. Why? Because if you haven't resolved your conflict, whatever it is, you're going to take it with you into the new church. Now, folks, knowing all that, how do we do life together at Fisher's? Well, the answer is quite simple. Paul tells us today, by living in the mystery of of God's will. And it's a mystery. I love, I want to give you a definition of what the Bible means by the word mystery. A mystery is a puzzle that is unsolved, a reality that defies explanation, a truth that is unknowable unless God makes it known. And there are lots of those mysteries in the scriptures, and Paul unfolds one for us today in Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to listen to his words. He says, He God made known, here's the word, the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now when I read that, I have to tell you the first thing I thought of was our new vision statement. Because I think our vision statement in some ways echoes these words. Listen to what that vision statement is. Fishes of men will be an open, 
armed family of believers, that means welcoming all sorts of people who maybe aren't like you and me. Doing what? Focused on equipping the next generation in Christ. Opened arm, focused in Christ. I could have said it shorter. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> That's God's vision. That's His goal, not just for our church, but for every church. In every church, God is bringing all things together in Christ. His mission is to reach across with the Gospel, to use the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to reach across every different opinion, argument, hateful thing, disagreement, division, to reach across all those things and bring people together in one family, the church. That's what the epistle to the Ephesians is about. Now, when I was reading this and I was studying this, one thing came to mind was first time Linda and I went to Israel in 2009. Um, we came across, we got to visit, this is we, one of the places you spend time, we go to Israel is in Galilee. And you visit all the, the ruins of the towns that Jesus visited. And this is, this is the ruins of one of the towns you read about in the Gospels. This is Chorazin, where you read that Jesus went and taught and did some of His miracles and so forth. Well, in these towns in Galilee, they, they, had, they had a community they called an insula. And what that meant is that in each town, they, they, they shared things in common. They were often an extended family, and they often had the same occupation in that town. Like, for instance, this was a baker's insula, where they baked bread and so forth. And, and in that town, the people in that community would share together the responsibilities of that occupation in common, and they would take care of one another. And you see that little courtyard there? They would often meet together in that courtyard and make decisions together, like, like who you should marry. And then, one of the things they did as a community, when you got married, they would give you a year off. Because they knew what we all discover, that the first year of marriage is often the hardest. And they would pick up the slack so you could spend your first year strengthening your marriage. And they were an extended family. Well, folks, that's what God wants us to be. An insula. A community. An extended family related by blood, the blood Jesus shed on the cross, sharing in a common task, the most important that anybody can ever share, of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, loving, caring, and helping one another along the way. What the challenge is? We're all sinners. We are all too easily prone to greed and to arrogance and to pride and to selfishness and to jealousy and to stubbornness. You know, <laughs> we're alike in all those things. That's a terrible thing to be alike in. And you know, it made me think of, of the atom. As you know, as I understand it in science, likes repel, right? And at the center of the atom are all, what is it, like-charged protons. And what in the world keeps that from blowing apart? Well, I'm not a scientist, but I think the Scriptures themselves provide the answer. 
Christ is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. God does it. Christ holds the universe together. He holds the atom together. Christ is the one who brings and keeps us together. Did you know all those things that tear us apart? Our pride, our ego, our jealousy, our sin? In Jesus, God confronted them all. He came and He was tempted in every way as we are. He faced all those temptations. The only difference is He did not sin. And that hatred, that anger, that divisiveness that's out there in the world, He allowed it all to be pointed at Him. The Bible says He was despised and rejected of men. And He carried that whole thing to the cross, and He suffered and died and paid the price for our sin and our hatred and our anger and our pride. And when He rose again the third day, He conquered it all. He is the essential force that needs to be at the center of the church. The, the love of God is a power that holds us together. In that power, there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God, can separate us from each other. And that's why when we were baptized, God gave us His name. and We were baptized into Christ Jesus. And so that God, Jesus, might be the center of our life, He invites us to His table again and again to receive whom? To receive Jesus. That's what that passage in 1 Corinthians says, right? 1 Corinthians 10, where it's talking about Holy Communion, says, because there is one loaf, we who are many with all our differences are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Jesus is the mystery of being able to do life together. In church, in home, in family, in work, in the world. I remember when our oldest son got his first car. We always believed it was good for our kids to work and buy their own car. And he, he worked hard and he saved and he bought a Toyota Corolla. And he was proud of that thing. He loved that thing. And three weeks later, he was in an accident. It wasn't his fault, but it was total. And he was like, why did God allow that to happen? And you know how much that car meant to me? I, I really think he learned a very important lesson during that time. A lesson you and I need to learn. Whenever something becomes so important that we think we can't do without it, like when college did, I can't live without that girl. Or when we think that another human being, like our spouse, is there to complete us. Or I don't know how I could get along with that job, or I just have to have a new this or that. Whenever we give that kind of importance to something in our life, we have pushed God, we have pushed Jesus out of the center, and those other things cannot hold our lives together. 
because they're all going to fail. They're all going to rust. They're all going to lead to conflict sooner or later. Folks, when there's anger and strife in your heart, jealousy, greed, when there's backbiting in the church, when there's division in our land, it is a sure sign that Jesus has been shoved off to the side. And there's only one cure and only one solution. Yeah, everybody needs to come back to Jesus. Yeah. But more to the point, you and I need to come back to Jesus. We need to come on our knees. Confess our sin. Because He'll mend our relationships. He'll mend our marriages. He'll mend our nation. But He begins by mending our hearts. I want you to think about the difference between two people you read about in the Bible. Pontius Pilate and Jesus. Now when, when they brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate, he knew he was innocent. He knew he should let him go. But Pontius Pilate saw his life falling apart before him. His very eyes. Because on the one hand, he had the Romans saying, Pilate, keep those Jews happy. And on the other hand, he had the Jewish crowd saying, crucify him or else. And you know what he did? He reached for a towel and a basin full of water and washed his hands of the whole thing, turned Jesus over to be crucified to save himself. Now those same days, you could say that our Lord's life was falling apart too. He was, he was right. He was, one of his closest friends was going to betray him. Another one was going to deny him. All of them were going to desert him. He was going to be arrested on false charges. They were going to lie about him, beat him, whip him, nail him to a cross. Knowing all that was coming, Jesus reached for a towel and a basin full of water too. But it was different. Knowing that he had come from God and was returning to God, Jesus reached for the towel to serve others, not save himself. That's the secret of doing life together. To make it possible, Jesus had to let them lie about him. He had to die on a cross. And folks, if we're going to do life together in the church, we need to die every single day. We need to set aside our pride and our ego and our sin and let Jesus put it to death. And then reach for a towel and a basin full of water and serve each other not ourselves. Because that, my friend, is how you do life together. Amen? And now may the peace of God which pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.